This podcast is sponsored by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound is a recording studio located in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, that specializes in music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering. I have personally recorded with Sam at Redbeard Sound and can attest to the fact that he is accommodating, knowledgeable, and professional. So if you're looking for a place you can relax and record your music, or even a podcast like this one, hit Sam up at redbeard at redbeardsound.com. That's redbeard at redbeardsound.com. And tell him Dawn of Mantis sent you. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Hey, when was the last time you saw a good Samaritan do something or heard about it? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about that. I was listening to a podcast today and I heard someone talk about a good Samaritan. And I just got to thinking like, have you ever heard of a bad Samaritan or any other type of Samaritan? You only hear of the good Samaritan. The good- yeah. So Samaritan, it's the word itself doesn't mean anything. You have to add good to make it be positive. Right, right. And like I so it, yeah. It actually comes from a story in the Bible in the book of Luke and it's literally a guy from Samaria. Okay. A Samaritan. Okay. And so this guy was this other guy was beside the road and he, I think someone had just beat the hell out of him and stole some things from him and no one was helping him but this guy from Samaria had helped him and that's that's literally where the good Samaritan comes from. Okay. But I just wonder like why is it only good like why is it not if someone doesn't help why why aren't you people like what a bad samaritan the next time someone's a jerk to me i'm gonna say you're being a bad samaritan <laughs> see what they say yeah. like you're not being a very you're, you're being a bad samaritan not a good samaritan yeah yeah it's just something is that right where there. the thing good sam came from the oh, the rv thing i think so yeah i always see those on rvs never good, thought the about good sam that. club i wonder if that's good samaritan uh, i don't know i bet it is i bet it is so are you going somewhere with this? No, that was my only thought. <laughs> Not my only thought. That was my first thought. Here's the second thought. Just random crap. <laughs> okay. And then we'll get to what okay. we're talking about. Okay. So, you know, on the last, well, I don't know if anyone's heard the last, I don't know how many people have heard the last episode because we've had some glitches, but we're going to get it out. If you haven't heard it, if you haven't heard episode 105. We'll get it fixed. Uh, yeah. The not so sunny day, the story of Northern Callaway. If, if you haven't seen it on your feed, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, it will be there soon. Uh, we just had a glitch. Glitches, glitches be, yeah, glitches be crazy. Glitches be crazy. Yeah. But in that episode, I talk about, uh, actually, I made up a joke uh, kind of like in real time. Okay. About, remember the joke about like if, if there's a uh, like a Star Trek themed porno, would that be known as science friction, right? Oh, okay. That was my joke. <laughs> so we were, my wife and I were hanging out the other night and uh, I told her that joke. And as soon as I told her that, she laughed and she goes, Star Trek, the next penetration. Oh. So. Piling on. I like it. So I'm going to share with you a list of possible sci-fi porno <laughs> names, science science friction okay. movies that you might see in okay. the back room at your 
video store that doesn't exist anymore. It's a great way to start. Yeah, Star Trek The Next Penetration. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a Star, a, the Star Wars guy, you could go uh, ep- episode one, The Phantom Anus. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> Sam's already like, I regret doing this. <laughs> the Empire Claps Back. Anybody? Is this thing on? No. <laughs> the day. Okay, let's get away from that. We'll, we'll do other sci-fi movies. The day the girth stood still. <laughs> um, Star Trek II, The Girth of Khan. No? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll... I'll I thought this it's would okay. be slaying. It's, it's, I mean, someone out there is is uh, cracking up, for sure. Uh, interracial stellar. <laughs> and then the last one, feel free to jump in if anyone has any extras. Uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for... I mean, it was rock, but that was pretty easy. But anyway, uh, I, I've I've got nothing for some reason. Normally, I'm able to throw some in on on there, but I, but I've got nothing. That, that was an impressive list. I, I tried all day to think of something with Battlestar Galactica, but I just can't. I just can't make it work. It's so frustrating. You know what? There's a chance that at least one of those already exists. <laughs> you know, and you did a shout out. Yeah. Like an AVN shout out. Hey, get out your phone. Look them up. See see if one does exist. No. You don't want that search history gone, do you? Yeah. No. 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 It's bad enough anyway. So, uh, no, that was a great list. I liked it. Okay. Uh, if you're just tuning in, welcome to Donna Mantis. <laughs> Hope you liked our list. I'm Ivan. Here's Joe to my left if you, wanna, if you want me to paint a picture mm-hmm. in your mind. Straight in front of me is Sam, uh, Redbeard Sound Studio. We're here Hello. again, week three. Hello, Sam. What's up, Sam? Just... Doing a podcast. <laughs> what did you think of the list? It was interesting. I'm, I'm sure somebody out there got a good belly laugh out of it. I, I was laughing, but yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to laugh over over your. Yeah, that's you're what, trying to talk. You know, that's oh, that's a, oh, sure, that's a good. No, I I would. I was really just trying to think. Of, I was. I'm really just jealous that I couldn't think of any. So so I, I I withheld laughter because I wasn't being a very good Samaritan. I was being I was being jealous. <laughs> good callback. Yeah. Well, there's that one star. There's another Star Trek uh, movie, Insurrection. There's got to be something Ooh, there. Oh man, that's that. It's almost there already. Yeah. You know his erection. His, his erection. There you go. There it is. Boom. Yes. Very good. Sam. Sam's helping you out. I'm not helping you out, but I also thought like this honorable mentions. I didn't write it down, but Revenge of the Bones. And maybe mm. instead of clones, mm-hmm. uh, see, yeah. yeah, I don't know. You, you might think that's about a skeleton or something. <laughs> What's our episode about tonight, <laughs> Joe? <laughs> I'll translate that. Dear God, let's get away from this. Tonight, uh, no, I like it all, but but I'm ready to get in the meat, pota- meat and potatoes of this. We're definitely using the uh, the new outro music for this one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just uh, got my starring role in The Empire Claps Back. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a, a religious cult tonight. Oh, there See, we they go. Didn't, they, people listening, these they didn't even know. We don't. That was a total like cold call you guys had. No idea. I could have said anything. Yeah. But that's what we're going to be talking I don't even want to ask. I want to I wanna know when everybody else does. Okay. So the next time Joe like unfolds paper, it's it's, you know, be ready. Buckle up. Yeah, because when I take my notes out of this leather binder, you're okay. Yeah. But just like those, when I take them out of my wallet that's been folded up in there. Yeah, that was a paper in his wallet <laughs> that he unfolded, and he kind of had a little smirk on his face, and he set it down, and he delivered all that. I, I'm glad you did. I, I can't wait to listen back at it. You know what's funny is what if something would have happened to me, like I get in a car wreck or I, I die somehow, <laughs> and then 
it in my personal <laughs> effects on my corpse. They pull out my wallet. They pull out pull out my pa- this paper here. And first off, it has the definition of good Samaritan, and then it has a bunch of <laughs> uh, you know naughty just, naughty sci-fi names. That's why on any like big case there's like file folder boxes full of just like evidence and then years later they they open that up to the public well if it's like a public case like the jfk thing uh but that's why there's just so much like you throw it in the filing cabinet and it's like i don't know what it means it could mean something later to the mm-hmm. case you know mm-hmm. so there's probably a lot of stuff like that out there so that's that's, right. that's, that's another thing that some detective would have to look at and be like I know it means something. <laughs> if we could, if we could solve this paper, what is this code? Yeah, yeah. That's always be mindful of what's on your person because you never know when you're going to die. You know, I'm talking to you, truck driver. That's wearing a red thong <laughs> and thigh high stockings <laughs> under those Levi's. Did you ever have the mom or the grandma that make have, tell you to have clean underwear on in case there was an accident and you go to the hospital? Yeah, yeah. There's a good. Well, do I even want to quote Bill Cosby these days? I don't know. I mean, I still think his comedy's good. I mean, okay. I'm not going to let him buy me any drinks, though. Well, Bill. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take away from his, his comic. I wouldn't even eat any of his jello at this no, point. No, I probably wouldn't. Um, there's a Bill Cosby bit, pretty sure it's him, where he talks about that. Why, you know, they always tell you where to your clean underwear in case you're in an accident, but he's like, the accident will make the underwear unclean. Oh, that's true. Like, because first, you know, you say it and then you do it. Yeah. And, and isn't isn't there a thing? That, just like a, isn't there a scientific biological thing? Like whenever you, like whenever you die, that your bowels, like your muscles, just give away, and all your. Isn't that true? Didn't you say that I one time? So. Is anyone else thinking of the South Park episode where Cartman was betting them all that you don't shit your pants when you die? Oh, I didn't, I didn't ever see that one. Oh but yeah, that sounds like totally something. Oh, it's a do. great episode. There's yeah. something to do with Walmart, and I don't want to talk about too much about Walmart, considering we're we're in the epicenter of the Walmart empire right now. There might mm-hmm. be guys in black suits with sunglasses talking into little microphones pinned to their lapels, coming here and kill us all. Maybe but it's a really funny like Walmart. The Walmart Corporation dies at the end of the episode, and it like just shits. <laughs> and he's like, "See, I told you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of the episode where the God comes down and gives them one question, and Stan takes it. Remember that? Mm, what was the question? And he was like, why have I not started my period yet? Oh, yeah. And he's, Is that it? Well, because you're a boy, and boys don't have periods. And everyone's like, oh, I'll be back down in a thousand years to answer one more question yeah. from their society. Wasn't that Cartman that got that whole period thing started? I think that so. convinced all the boys yeah. that they were yeah. about to have their periods. Yeah, and- yeah. But they all had like some kind of... Um, infection or whatever, <laughs> and they all started bleeding out of their, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. How's everyone doing out there tonight? Good wholesome family episode tonight. <laughs> so let's start the episode, I guess. Sorry. This this guy's name was Leland Jensen. Okay, and the cult, so to speak, that he had that he created was the BUPC. BUPC. Okay. BUPC. What's that stand for? Uh, yeah, I will get into that. Okay. I can't remember. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, so yeah, he gained a lot of notoriety pretty much from like the late seventies throughout the mid nineties for what he's most known for is a very public, very embarrassingly like failed series of doomsday predictions. Okay. Like standing on the mountain with all his followers and 
and then nothing happened, and they all just kind of walk slowly down the mountain and mm. back into their cars and drive home. So that yeah, happened. that's that's a hard racket that doomsday <laughs> prediction stuff. It's a hundred percent inaccurate so far. I don't care who you are, yeah, because we're yeah. still here, no yeah. matter what. You know, there have been some funny excuses why, and I can't remember remember any of them. But if you look it up, I I, I was wondering that one night and. There's some funny things that people will say, and it's always funny when someone's get when they get caught with their pants down or whatever, and they, yeah. you know, well, it's because of the, you know, oh, like this guy's Mister Excuses. Okay, yeah, I can't wait then. <clears throat> That's cool. Get some more of those. This will be a two parter, and that might be the, uh, that might be the second episode that we get into that stuff. But we kind of get to know him here. Okay, let's get to know him. All right. He was born uh, in August twenty second, uh, nineteen fourteen. That's the Leland Jensen in Burlington, Wisconsin. Parents was Christ. This is true. Christ Jensen and Daisy Dell Peterson. So he may have had a a Jesus complex from birth if his mm. father's name was Christ. Okay. <laughs> okay. After high school, Jensen attended the National College of Chiropractic and Naturopathic Physicians in Chicago. This is where he met and married Opal Doyle in 1938. Opal was also attending chiropractic school, and after graduating. She and Leland opened their own chiropractic office for a short time before moving to St. Louis to open a clinic there as well. However, not too long after relocating, something happened that would change the direction of their lives dramatically and also plant the seeds for the events that we are going to be talking about later. So you see, we've uh, yet to mention a key part of Leland Jensen's life, his faith. Which faith? Because there's a lot of different faiths. Have either of you heard of the Baha'i faith? No. B-A-H-A-I. Jensen was a third-generation Baha'i, and it was an integral part of his life. Um, It plays a huge part in our story, so before we go any further, further, let's do a crash course test in in the Baha'i faith. Okay. I'm right. Uh, Baha'i was founded in the mid-1800s by a Persian nobleman named Baha'u'llah, who gave up his high-status position to be a spiritual teacher. Now, according to Baha'i, there's only one God, and I know monotheistic religions are a dime a dozen, but Baha'i is quite different in this regard. You can call your God whatever you like, whether it's Jehovah, Allah, the Great Spirit, Gaia, or whatever. Essentially, everyone, whether they realize it or not, are worshiping the same God. They just call him or her by different names. Hmm. So the Baha'i believes everybody has it right. Okay. We're just all talking about the same dude. Or gal. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, more, more reasonable, I would think, than some. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm along, glad you like it. <laughs> along with one all-knowing, all-powerful God, there's actually only one true religion. So this may sound crazy at first, considering the laundry list of different religions and the beliefs that stem from those religions, but... Baha'i explains this quite elegantly. Baha'u'llah taught that there was only one true faith, and that faith is continually revealed and updated as the changing times and the condition of the world calls for it. So, every 500 to 1,000 years or so, prophets and teachers show up with revised or updated versions of this continuing religion. Think of it as a computer operating system. The core system remains pretty much the same, but receives updates as needed. As human beings progress materially, socially, and technologically, we also progress spiritually and require these updates. So this religion is like an iPhone, basically. Yes. Yeah. 
and uh, my last iPhone halfway through its update froze and that was nine months ago and it is still frozen mid update. I had to go get another phone. Mm. So hopefully that didn't ever happen with this religion. <laughs> I was trying to update it, but it froze. Yeah. I called, yeah. I called him and told him what happened. And they're like, Oh, that, that's been happening. And I'm like, Oh, where, okay. Now what? I had 400 pictures on there and, and 150 contacts and a whole bunch of notes and, Oh, I don't know. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's been happening a lot. Yeah. Funny thing. It is funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's why, uh, you know, I preach the um, figure out a way to make your phone kind of auto back up some of that stuff. There's a lot of services, but now they, they, they're, they're, it's like cocaine. At first, it all used to be free, all the cloud services when they first came out. <laughs> but now, you know, they offer you a little bit free, and then you'll fill that up, and it's like, hey, for... You know, ten bucks you can get some more, and fifteen bucks get some more. Yeah. You know? So the cloud is basically a, that, a drug. That first service happens. is free. Yeah. So yeah. So, but it's it's worth it, especially the photo thing. So uh, figure out a way to back those things up. Yeah, and I think I do now. I don't know. Is the cloud? Is that a thing? The i the cloud. iCloud Everyone backs up to the cloud. Google has one. There, there's a there's there's actually a, what's the Dropbox? That's a pretty popular one. That's actually a pretty good one. Yeah. I think that the uh, lady at the store maybe set my phone up with one of those because I was bitching. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't even know how to access it. You're in the cloud now. Again. But the last phone, I had another phone. I didn't know this. This was a Sam goddamn Sung. Samsung. And I'm sorry I don't like them. Don't like them. I can't. Did you know, at least on the one I had, if you press two buttons at the same time, that it'll just reset the phone back to factory settings? I promise yeah. you. Because I had it, I had the phone like propped under my knee one night with the light on, trying to work on something at work. And so I guess one button was pressed against the ground, the other button was pressed against my knee, and the light went out. I look at the phone, and it's got a little picture of like a blue dancing robot, and it was like factory update or some uh, factory reset is what it said. And I'm like, no, no, no. You would think it would be that easy to do that. It I, is. I know there's a way. I know there's a way to do that, but. They shouldn't have made it that easy. Yeah. They even told me at the phone store, oh, yeah, if you squeeze both those buttons, it'll it'll reset. Yeah. I'm like, well, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, again, there should be like several like, are you sure yeah. buttons. Yeah. yeah. You need to go through a few buffers. Yeah. But instead, a kid could be holding your phone weird. Yeah. And they give it to you and it's like blank. You can yeah. set your phone in your lap and then lean over to tie your shoe and erase your life off your phone. So my thing about phones, here, here's my thing that kind of drives me crazy about technology, and I'm a tech guy, but uh, I think what happens is, is I think most of our technologies, they, they get pushed out before they're, um, before they're ready. Like, like, I feel like we should hold back a little bit and, and have more, some more redundant systems where, where just things work better and things don't crash. But the problem is, it's the competition won't ever let that happen because it's like, oh, we got this new thing that works. Let's push it out. Oh, it really doesn't work though. It just kind of works. <laughs> yeah. So we have to live on the edge of that. Of that. That's why I don't update my phone. I, someone's like, hey, the new update's out. It's like, okay, I'm gonna wait a little bit because you know, do you do that, Sam? You seem like a guy that would wait on the updates. I do, and not just like even the, on even on uh, on uh, when they update like the new. OS systems on Macs, or, mm -hmm. yeah. Know, that's for recording. I use I use a Mac, and yeah. so when they update OS systems, I'm probably still at least two OS systems behind yeah. because 
all the other software that goes into it that doesn't automatically update with that stuff. Sure. And so then they have to do all their updating, and so it's as long as all my stuff's working, I'm not. I'm not. That's right. Yeah. That's that's what I think. I mean, be patient and and let it. Let some other people try it out first, and then they're gonna they're gonna complain and bitch, and then people are gonna fix the little (laughs) glitches, and then yeah, yeah. I don't want to be on the cutting edge anymore. Uh, it's it's too stressful. <laughs> Let so, other people take the bullet. Yeah, there's my little tech rant. <laughs> but I mean, competition is what drives it, so that's what almost ha- how it has to be. So anyway, nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah, what I was talking about with this continuous update, the Baha'i Faith calls it progressive revelation. Mm. I like that. I wonder if there's a flow for that one. I don't know. <laughs> that was a stupid joke. So all the figures of the world's major religions, like Abraham, Zoroaster. Krishna, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad were actually all delivering varying versions of the same message from the same God. Adding to this list of teachers are the Bab and finally Baha'u'llah. What would you, but how does it change though? I mean, who gets to say how it changes and how it updates? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty good answer, I guess. Because God. Yeah. Somebody, someone saying that God said. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here on behalf of God. Mm-hmm. And God said, you know, I do, yeah. Uh, it's probably whoever the head cheese is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God agrees with the thing I was thinking, and here's what I was thinking. Yeah. And then, then, then is a, that's a fundamental change of yeah. what people are going to say. Yeah. What sets Leland Jensen apart from most other kind of cultish leaders is, though, and I, to his credit, most other cult leaders, part of that message from God is, oh, by the way, I need to sleep with all the women in the group. Um, that was kind of a David Koresh type thing. Be- yeah. Very much so. And uh, there's lots of other ones, too, that have. Yeah. Uh, Le- that's one thing Leland Jensen never did, so th- there's that, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I get a credit for that, because it would be very easy, once you got all that power, to use that power in that way. Yeah. Um, and he did so good for him. Just imagine, man, you must really be, really be steeped in your faith as far as a man to be like, Oh, God told you that you could, uh, shag my wife. Be like, are you sure? Can we, can we pray again? Or can we go? No, you're doubting. That's, that's heresy. Oh, okay. Sorry. But throughout history, like with Koresh and all these other cult leaders, most of the guys very rarely was a man like, no, most of them was like, well, Susan, <laughs> take one for the team, I guess. I wonder if they say the thing your dad said to you where he's like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> I hate to have to do this to you and your wife. You know, there's, there's got to be somebody that said that before. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. It's not, it's just the way it is. Look, the creator of the known universe yeah. Has specifically instructed that we this get is, freaky. This is bigger than all of us. Yeah. You need to understand that. And this is purely following God's word. And they're looking at us like, but there's rose petals everywhere and candles lit. And I don't see nothing wrong with the little bump and grind. It's like, well, that's just to yeah. set the mood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm taking liberties. <laughs> God wrote that song. God. 
<laughs> gave it to the what Montel Jordan or whoever it was. Montel I don't Jordan. know who it was. Who is it? I'm not good with that. I Wait. mean, I remember the song. <coughs> who sings that song? I think Montel Jordan was that talk show guy. No, Montel Jordan. Oh, that's like, Montel Williams. <laughs> who the hell was Montel Jordan? Oh, he was like, this is the way we do it. No, mm-hmm. that's, oh. that's Montel Jordan. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know the bump and grind one. Is that, is is that, that like R. R. Kelly? Kelly? That's R. Kelly. That's oh, gotta be. there is something. With, that's gotta there be is R. something Kelly. wrong with some bump and grind. That's how I do it. It's Friday night. So that was R. Kelly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's not my, my cup of coffee, that stuff, but... Um, I don't know, it's got a beat and you can dance to it. I guess it's okay. I guess. This is how we do it was Montel Jordan. Okay. This uh, man, you wanna I'm oh my god. This I shouldn't even I'm a middle aged white dude. And I guess we can listen to whatever music we want, right? But this is out of nowhere the other day. I just woke up with this song Return off the Mac. <laughs> Return off the Mac once again. I listened to that song for like for like two weeks straight. And and my wife and daughter were like, What who are you? Yeah. What is happening? Because it's not, it's typically not something no, I would listen yeah, to. Yeah, that's not you. But I, I was would, like obsessed with that song. So it's a like freaking great song. Driving around with the windows down, blasting that. Yeah. And then they see a ginger headed <laughs> freaking freak, 40 year old. Anyway. Yeah. Didn't, it, it was a strange time in my life. But. You, that it wouldn't be what you'd expect to see whenever you pulled up and that was blasting like Joe. Yeah. Like that. That that doesn't really match, but that's okay. You expect to you see me behind the wheel of my car, and you expect to hear maybe America or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been through the desert <laughs> instead of it's once again return off the mic. Hey, it, whatever you want, whatever you want to listen to. That's the great thing about this old country right here. Yeah, I'm going to share a terrible story with you guys. Excellent. So I'm about 19 or 20 years old. My sisters went to this little tiny podunk school in Oklahoma, and I don't know. Looking back, because it was twenty over 20 years ago, I don't remember how this ever even came about. But it somehow, through a series of horrific events, I ended up DJing one of their school dances at my sister's schools. So, like, I'm 18 or 19, so my sisters were probably, like, 14 and 15 or some shit like that. And this is, like, back in the late nineties, mid to late nineties. I was so naive and just stupid that I literally thought everybody had the exact same taste in music as me, especially these, like, I wasn't thinking of the demographic. I'm going to a high school dance with younger kids. Right. So, and I, I don't even know how it happened, but I remember the principal, I got paid 50 bucks to do it. Yeah. And I just brought my stereo from home and borrowed some other speakers from musician friends. And I just had my own personal, like little box of CDs that I just brought from home. That was it. Maybe. I mean, I was, I probably had a couple hundred CDs, but and so I was like, ah, this is going to be the greatest dance ever because I'm going to, I'm going to play great shit. I'm going to play in utero from front to back. I know. To yeah. Start this dance. out. Not only that, I'm going to play shit. That's like, here, my mind was thinking this. I'm going to play B-sides of a bunch of this cool shit oh, that you wouldn't normally hear. Yeah. Right? So, and then I'm going to play some of these great, like, 90s bands that no one has heard, but they should. Like Dinosaur Jr. and Screaming Trees and, like, all these, you know, Sonic you went, Youth. You went deep tracks. He is setting himself up to be the worst <laughs> DJ. Dude, I was. So, I, I'm, like, seven uh. songs in. I play like Candlebox. I play 
uh, I did play Nirvana. Kids are like, we can't dance to this. That's exact. I played Soundgarden. It was halfway through. Uh, I don't remember what song it was, but these girls come up. And literally, like, out of the entire group, I mean, there was probably a hundred-something kids there. Out of all those, there's, like, three guys in the back, like, jumping around, like, this is the freaking greatest DJ ever. They're headbanging, you know, like, Spoon Man, a Spoon Man by Soundgarden. But all these teenage girls are, like, in one corner, and they're all pissed because they're like, we can't shake our little asses to this. We can't be little hoes to this, right? That's that's what I imagine they said. Where's the TLC? We can't shake our training bras to this. Yeah, so I've heard of them come up, and they're like, play something else! And they start naming all these, I don't even know, like, yeah, but it probably was TLC and whoever. I don't know. People I'd never heard of. I'm like, I don't have that. I got this, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, I got the entire catalog of sound garden or whatever yeah so i keep playing my shit and they keep coming up and complaining and finally this group of girls just comes up and they hit eject on the cd player and it pops out and they'd went out to their cars and got some cds and they just took over and i just stepped back i just stepped back because they were like they looked angry which is a win because you got paid to do it and they did your job so you just i, I did get paid still yeah. I did get paid win <clears throat> Total so i win. just stepped back and just let this crowd of girls just put their own CDs and stuff, and they just DJed their own dance for the rest of the night. While I was just like, "What have I? What happened? What have I done?" And that's when I realized uh, not everyone likes the same music as me. Well, to bring out the deep tracks, uh, yeah, that was a little bit ambitious. But I mean, what? How, you didn't know any better, right? I mean, I don't know. You just thought, "I bet these people are cool," and turns out they weren't. So. Yeah. It's your win, their loss. You you got the money and you didn't even have to do it. The These whole time. young teenagers will like sponge for sure. <laughs> no, okay. It was terrible. No, no, it's 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 all's well that ends well. I, I think I think it's a good story. I think it's I think it's I think it's good for you. I think you were the good Samaritan in that story. I was a good Samaritan. They weren't very nice. They weren't. They were yeah. very mean to me. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> The Baha'i religion does not have priests, rabbis, or gurus, but there is and always has been a leader of the faith, a head of the religion who appoints a successor to carry on after them. First, it was the Bab, and not the B-O-B, but like the B-A apostrophe B. This sounds like a one of the super fans from SNL. Yeah, Bab, the Bears. <laughs> yeah. All Bears. Uh, the Bab was basically the forerunner of uh, to the Baha'i Baha faith. Um, his most... Ardent follower was Baha'u'llah, who I talked about before, who appointed his son, Abdu'l-Baha, who appointed his grandson, Shoghi Effendi, and it is Shoghi Effendi who played an important part in the life of Leland Jensen. First of all, Effendi was leader of the faith for the majority of Jensen's life, and in 1953, it was he who caused the major life change in Leland Jensen that we spoke about earlier. Mm. And those are some crazy names. Yeah, it's got to be, man. It's the Baha'i faith. You can't be like Frank Frank Jones. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Who's going to follow a Frank Jones? No. Uh, J uh, Jim Jones. Oh, well, yeah. People follow you just him. destroyed that. Sorry. Argument. No, no, don't be sorry, my friend. They, I stand corrected. But not that they should have, because they're dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Flavor Aid, by the way, if you guys if you guys are wondering. It wasn't Kool-Aid. No, they didn't, didn't get the decent. Didn't even get... Didn't even get Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. Flavor Aid. Nobody buys that. Doesn't even have a proof of purchase on the back. You can send in for a pitcher. 
that I did one time. That was awesome. <laughs> I, I did really. I still have it. It's the Kool Aid pitcher, the Kool Aid yeah. Man pitcher. Yeah, plastic though. I thought it's glass until I got it. It's no, plastic. it can't burst through a wall if it's glass. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so there was there was a comic strip. Speaking of that, where it had the wolf paying the Kool Aid Man, and he was like, like oh. pointing, at, pointing at the three little pigs' house. Yeah, he's like, let's see if this works. You know? <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. It might have been a far side, maybe. I don't that know. sounds like a far side. Yeah. Anyway. So, Sh- uh, Shoji Effendi aimed to expand the Baha'i faith into a major worldwide, worldwide sorry, religion. And to f- facilitate that, in 1953, he began the Ten Years Crusade. This was a sort of a call to arms to all followers to not only consolidate and better organize existing regions following the Baha'i faith, but to also branch out and spread the message of Baha'u'llah all over the world. It was this that caused Leland and Opal Jensen to abandon their chiropractic clinic in St. Louis and relocate to two tiny islands off the coast of Madagascar to spread the Baha'i religion. In doing so, they received the coveted title of Knights of Baha'u'llah, which was only given to those who left their previous lives and relocated to areas designated by Baha'u'llah for the Baha'i faith. Shows commitment. That's very much To the so. cause, yeah. Um, Rain Wilson... Is a mm. very devout Baha'i. Really? Yes. Delight. And it, if anyone wants a, a, a way cooler crash course in it than I gave, go to YouTube. What did I, t- how did I find it? I think if you just put Baha'i Faith Explained or something. Anyway, it's a cool little animated, like seven or eight minute little short thing narrated by Rain Wilson. Oh, wow. And it explains all that. Okay. Cool. So yeah, Rain Wilson's a, a Baha'i. Hmm. Another important part of this story is a group within the Baha'i religion known as the Hands of the Cause. This is a group of, that was also a, uh, wasn't that a uh, boy a boy band back in the 80s? <laughs> Very well could have been. Hands of the Cause, let us put our hands on you. No? Sounds like it should have been if it wasn't. Hands of the Cause. Uh, man, so many jokes. Yeah. Their followers are, sh- the nickname is Handies. I don't know. There's something there I'm mining. There's something there that's Come on, good, Handies. but I can't find it. Our, our listeners can can message us if you found something, if there's something. Give us a little nugget there, whatever you, whatever you got, something punny. Who cares what their name was, really? You put four white guys in matching white suits and just have them dance synchronized. You got a winner. Well, we've been to, we went to that boy band concert with our daughters. Yes, we did. Which, uh, yeah. The, uh, why I, don't we? Yeah. If you heard of Why Don't We, Sam? No. Yeah, oh, oh, my uh, friend. You're not missing out on a f- thing. <laughs> I will say that the thing that they do, do is uh, they harmonize and stuff, and some of their stuff is okay, but I can't get into boy band type stuff. But uh, at least some of their stuff kind of has a, kind of a cool melodic but for for a boy band in a boy band type way but they're selling their looks obviously yeah um so it was ivan and i and then oh i don't know three thousand tween girls mm -hmm. at this concert yeah and so the boys would dance and they would grind and and they would slide and the girls would scream but i talked about this on another episode (laughs) then they would do these real subtle little pelvic like thrust in their dances 
every time they did, the girls just went batshit. Yeah, it was crazy. Every little thrust was like, ah, they would all go crazy for a minute. Yeah. So the funny thing was at the beginning of the show, disgusting. they had a big, <laughs> yeah, it was. They had a big screen and, and you could take a selfie and tweet it out and hashtag it and you, you might pop up on the right. screen. Joey and I did it and we said, why don't we number one fans? And we made funny faces and we took a selfie. And uh, that that thing came up there like five or six times because yeah. some somebody in the behind the scenes is like, "There's two dads being funny," and and then our daughters did the same thing, but theirs only showed up like a couple times, and then they were like mad after it. They were like, "Yeah, your picture showed up way more than ours." <laughs> and every time ours showed up, you heard a co- collective laughter throughout all the crowd behind us. <laughs> all the moms and other daughters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's fifty. 50 bucks well spent, right? Yeah. My favorite was Daniel. <laughs> Daniel Corbin Jack. Uh, I don't know the rest. I don't either. Uh, Where was it? Where was the concert? The amp and, oh, and okay. yeah. Rogers. And Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. But, but my wife took her to another one in Dallas. So they went all the way to Dallas. Super fan. Crazy. <laughs> so yeah, this, this, this uh, group within the Baha'i religion called the hands of the cause Uh, It's a group of Baha'i followers appointed by the head of the religion, and their main purpose is to propagate and protect the faith. One particular member of this group was a man named Mason Ramey. Ramey was among the first Baha'is in the United States and was appointed by Shoji Effendi as a hand of the cause and later as the president of the International Baha'i Council. This all sounds like some heavy-handed shit. Really, you know, really. Heavy-handed? Heavy-handed. I didn't. Wow! You didn't do that on purpose. I did not do oh, that. Oh, I on figured purpose. you did. No, that's awesome. Heavy hands of the cause. Wow. So, needless to say, Remy was a very high-ranking member in the Baha'i faith, and Leland Jensen would quick, quickly grow to both admire him and be loyal to him, which, in the long run, would not do Leland any favors. Okay. This is because in 1957, Shoji Effendi, who had been the head of the Baha'i religion for 36 years, he died. Mm. Okay. But that technically wasn't the problem. The problem was that he died before appointing another leader to take his place after he died. So he never the, did that. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to so do. So was it like a sudden death and he didn't have time to do that? Or I think, it not I think he was old as hammered shit. I don't I don't think it was like sudden. But yeah, but, but even even somebody that just owns like one tiny house will will write a will. I mean, that's an entire religion. Why wouldn't they think to have all that written out. I, I know. I know. Irresponsible. Be responsible with Entirely your religion. These irresponsible cults. <laughs> it's 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 uh, disheartening. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the other re- generations before him had all done it. They'd mm-hmm. all appointed somebody, yeah. and uh, Sh- Shoji drops the ball. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> this was a first, like I said, in the Baha'i religion. The title sat in limbo for a while until, in 1960, Mason Remy declared himself declared himself to be the successor of Shoji Effendi, and he expected the Baha'i religious community worldwide to give him their allegiance. Do you think? Do you think someone could sue? Do you think someone could sue about? The, could that go to court? Yes. You think it could? And it does later. Oh wow! I promise you, yeah. I was just—I just never really thought about that before. Um, of something religious, like some kind of going through it, because it's not—it's like supposed to be a separate thing. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. If if something could go to court, that's a religious matter. Mm-hmm. We'll get—we'll get to that later. But okay. this this ends up not with these 
specific people, but on down the road in the, in the Baha'i faith, it, it does end up uh, part of this in court. Okay. Um, in fact, so the Baha'i faith worldwide did not, were not like, yay, this guy appointed himself as the new leader and we're all totally on board. In fact, Ramey's claim to be the next head of the religion was pretty much universally denied by Baha'i on two very clear-cut conditions. One, Shoji Effendi had not officially appointed Remy to the position, and secondly, the title of head of the Baha'i religion could only be bestowed upon a direct descendant of Baha'u'llah, mm. which Mason Remy, a pasty white guy from Iowa, was very much not. Uh, however, Remy did, did have a, a small but very loyal group of followers who chose to view him as the head of the faith and chief among this group was Leland and Opal Jensen. So the Jensen's were the earliest and most vocal supporters of Mason Remy and for their efforts, they along with Remy were the, uh, and the rest of his followers were deemed as covenant breakers by the hands of the cause. This essentially excommunicated them from the Baha'i faith. So being a covenant breaker was, is, is way worse than it sounds. Okay. It's bad. Yeah. It's excommunication. What's the thing? And there's a similar thing in uh, in the uh, Amish faith where you're just like cast out. You remember? Like you know this, what that is? Well, I want to say shunned, but that's like I think it is shunned. But is that is that the? Technical I always thought term? there was a better, like you know, more technical term. But maybe it is shunned. I don't know. Maybe it is. Is that why, is that why um, Dwight on the office always like shunned? Like, because wasn't he kind uh, of wasn't yeah. he kind of Amish or whatever? And and. I remember the, the beet farm. You're bringing yeah. it back to Brain Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Remember the the what's his name the the oh, his yeah that runs next to the car. Um, I forgot his name. Me too. It's so funny because they're driving like in cousin. and he's like running next to the car yes. and. I don't know. I, don't know what I, I can visualize the scene. My mind just goes back to Dumb and Dumber, where Jim Carrey's like, "It feels like you're running at incredible speed in the van." Yeah, you'll say it, and I'll be like, "Oh." Yeah, great episode where they go and stay on the beet farm. Uh, he Dwight, if you haven't seen the episode, it's uh, it's du- Moe's. Moe's, yeah. Dwight runs a bed and bre- breakfast, and uh, they stay in. He has themed rooms, and one room that they stay in is like the sprinkler room or the irrigation room, and it's got a bunch of pipe everywhere. All <laughs> over it. It's really funny. It's a great episode. Uh, it was a really good episode. Yeah. Office people will love will love it that we mentioned it. Bringing it back to Rain Wilson, yeah, it's the yeah. circle. That's that's it's funny you picked up on that because yeah, that he does that. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. like Jim or whoever you know he'd like like shunned and like throw yeah, his hand I up do and remember. then like and then he'd like <laughs> somebody would say something and he'd have to say something back so he'd unshunned and say something <laughs> oh, yeah. and then he shunned again you know so yeah and I think Jim was like enticing him making him yeah, he was yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, as always. It's not Amish, but it isn't it like not Mormon either or Mennonite? Maybe it's Mennonite. Uh, my daughter and I were were sitting outside a grocery store the other night. I'm about to go in there, and we see a group of them. And I think in this area, yes, it is. More yeah, Mennonite. And my daughter watched them all go in, and she's like, "Man, the women really get screwed in that religion because they they all have like little bonnets, and they look like they're on Little House in the Prairie, and they've got handmade stuff on, and the guys are wearing Wranglers and tucked in fancy shirts and, and watches and rings." And I'm like, "Women get screwed in most every religion, honey." Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like um, that's just carrying on a, tr- a yeah, long just, tradition. Yeah, you don't want to get me started on that because sometimes I go off on rants with my wife about stuff like that. Oh, okay, I, I just ugh, we don't want to go off on a rant on this. No, show. No, no, but no, no. Not not 
you don't want it on. You don't want it recorded. Uh, I don't want it recorded. Oh, okay. But you're right. I mean, just to put it mildly, yeah, most that happens a lot. Yes. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Okay. All right. Go crazy on it. Showing some very mature restraint, Ivan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just to really quickly. I mean, I'm not really crapping on the religious part. I'm just crapping on that procedural part of the religion. To me, that doesn't have anything to do with what's in your heart. That's just superficial outside stuff and it drives me crazy so much is put on it and you know this has to look that way and they have to look this way and i don't know and then the unfairness part uh yeah well and we've said that before we're we're not that we're not old-fashioned when it comes to that because i don't i'm i don't think the man and whatever people can get upset or what this is personally i don't think the man is the head of the household i think the man and the woman are the co-heads of the household i mean i think there are situations where the man can be uh in in a way let's say that he's uh more analytical and he's more like you know he he's he makes maybe and this sounds bad he or she could either make better decisions and they could be considered like the head of the household because it's almost like they're the ceo you're you're a CEO of a company because you make good decisions and you don't like sink the company. Yeah. Right. But but I see what yeah, no, it needs to be a team. It needs to be like she or he has a fair shake, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, with my wife my wife and I feel like she has strengths and I have strengths. That's right. And there's things we each do better and we just kinda like work it out that way, you know. Yeah, play to your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah, so I'm not the head. I don't want to be the head, uh, you know, when I when there was something comes up. We just talk about it like two adults. And I know, I see, like, dude, there's so no, many. It's because sometimes it's like a question's asked or something comes up and it's like, you would be better off to make that decision. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. how it should be, you know? Yeah. Cause my parents have had talks with me before, like when stuff, like when there's big life decisions going on. And, uh, you know, my stepdad would be like, well, you're the man. Oh, you are yeah. the man of the household. So you need to, you need to go in there and take control. And I'm like, Okay, um, it just <laughs> like, sounds I don't really feel like that applies. Seems very cavemanish, <laughs> like you're the man. Yeah. yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the man. I don't oh. want to be the head. I want to be the man. I, I, I'm not like. <laughs> let's change roles and play this up a little bit. But um, yeah, like uh, I, I don't. I never. I, I'm not an assertive person, and I don't want to just kick the door in and go in there and be like, it's gonna go down like this. You well, know there's I mean? a reason why this sounds ridiculous. It's like, oh think we pay off credit card first <laughs> and then we consolidate bills for you know it 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 shouldn't you know it's like it should be a conversation and yeah. you should play to your strengths like you were saying and that's just better for everyone i mean there's no like hidden animosity and all this stuff yeah and i'm not kissing ass because my wife doesn't listen she doesn't my wife to you know she's told me i've listened to you and i have talk for 13 years and that's good i don't need to listen to any oh listen to this Huh? Listen to that podcast. She doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I should have specified. So she doesn't listen to the podcast. She's heard me and Ivan bullshit for for over a decade. So she doesn't listen. So I'm not kissing ass. I'm saying she's smarter than me in like almost every area. And that's fine. That's good. I mean, that's good. That's good on my part. Um, So I'm okay because I can't tell you how many times I've been like, well, all I know is I think this and this and that. And then she'll be like, but what about this? I'm like, I I didn't really think about that. You know what I mean? So it's okay to admit, like, okay, well, there's certain things in certain areas. Yeah, you know, for like sure. overall yeah. intelligence, maturity uh, that she. <laughs> well, you see, yeah, me. you just need to understand that 
in any in any relationship, the person needs to understand when they're when they're talking out of their element and they're talking about something they don't know about. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I'm gonna give this to you because it's, this is your strength, and I would expect that you would give it to me when it's mine. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so we've rational. got it figured out here. I don't know what the hell. Well, not always. Okay, but sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so, in just a few years after this, uh, Mason Remy would also pass away. Well, he did the same damn thing that Sho- Shoji Effendi did, and he didn't, uh, even though maybe he didn't choose a, a successor because no one really recognized that he was even the, the dude in the first place. Mm-hmm. But regardless, he didn't choose a successor. Okay. I could almost see why he didn't. Right. Because it was kind of up in the air, you know, so, yeah. Um, but this caused his already small group of followers to split into even smaller factions as each group claimed different people as their successor. It was at this point around 1964 that Leland and his wife got fed up with the drama and left the whole mess behind to uh, to relocate in Missoula, Montana. Now, once there, Leland stopped teaching the Baha'i faith altogether and he and Opal uh, opened another chiropractic clinic. It's at this point that the uh, that Leland seemed to put the Baha'i religion in his past, but something would soon happen that, according to Leland anyway, would draw him back to the faith. And I want to after this next part, I want to kind of get y'all's two cents on this. Yeah. A few years after establishing his chiropractic clinic in Missoula, a 15-year-old female patient accused Jensen of molesting her. Several other women testified against him at the resulting trial, and he ended up being convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Jensen maintained his innocence at trial and for the rest of his life, but also said his imprisonment was part of a prophecy, and it was there that Jensen claims to have had his revelation. Okay. By his account, that revelation went as follows. I felt a presence only. He said, this is quoting him, I saw no body. I saw no dove, no burning bush or anything of this nature. It talked to me, not in a physical voice, but very vividly expressing to me that I was the promised Joshua. The reference of Joshua comes from the third chapter of Zechariah and the Bible. And it is uh, not actually referring to the Joshua we all recognize from the Bible. It describes a vision Zechariah had in which Joshua, clad in filthy clothes, stands before God and is made a high priest, given clean clothes and a clean turban on his head as a sign of cleanliness and redemption, to put it very simply. Leland Jensen understood this to mean that it was his mission to establish a divinely sanctioned order of the Baha'i religion and that he was the true successor. With a renewed fire in his belly, he set about preaching this new message to his fellow inmates, and by the time he was paroled in 1973, he had recruited several dozen followers from the Montana State Prison. He returned to Missoula with his new followers and founded the BUPC. You asked what that stood for? It stood. It stands for Baha'is Under the Provisions of the Covenant. So I, I was going to ask what he thought about whether or not he was guilty, but we really don't have any evidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, multiple came... Multiple people came forward, and normally they have some type of evidence, not just hearsay, right? Yeah, I'm. I would think to put them away that long. Yeah, I would think if they're putting you away for twenty years, I would hope it wouldn't just be on hearsay. Yeah, uh, I would hope there'd be actual evidence. So I couldn't find any more, uh, you know, info on the trial. So back to my uncles again, because <laughs> every time we talk about cons, we talk about my uncles. Yes. So I had two that went to prison. Mm-hmm. One of them was 
I think he just kind of did his time in an honest way, and he got out and was like, yeah, you busted me. I, you know, even in court, he pled guilty and was, you know, sentenced for having a bunch of drugs and a bunch of, you know, bad stuff. But my other uncle, he went and he fought the rap the whole time and did not guilty, and then he was found guilty. But he was the one that as soon as he got in there, he wrote a letter back home and he had found Jesus and all this stuff. And then we asked my other uncle about it one time and he said, yeah, that's a bunch of BS, you know? (laughs) It's like, I could have told you he was going to do that. Yeah. That's just how he rolls. Yeah. He's like, I didn't find Jesus in jail. It wasn't any easier to find him in jail as it was out. It's almost like gay for the stay. (laughs) Why do they, it's like. Really, I've heard that, you know, the whole gay for the stay thing that, that, that will happen in prison. And then once they're out, they go right back. So why is it? Well, okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. But like, is there a, a food that you could think that you don't like, but then if that's all you were offered, then you would like that food? You know, I'm trying to relate it to something. Okay. So, I mean, it's like, I don't like bananas. <laughs> you almost said it. <laughs> I'll say bananas. Like, I hate bananas. But I went to this place, and all they had were bananas. So I started eating bananas, and when I got out, I quit eating bananas again because I don't really like them. Right. So is it is it t- that, like, you're just do you're just kind of a MacGyver in it, you know? You're just, like, doing the best you can with what you got? <laughs> I'm going to disagree. <laughs> okay. Because if that was the case, I'm just trying to compare it to, yeah, okay. to uh, when you hit puberty and when you want to do certain things with a girl— it's, I mean, unless you're just a kind of a player or something, you can't just automatically do that. Usually you're stewing over it and just, you know, daydreaming about it for several years until you're like 17, 16, 17. And so you okay. find some poor girl that is desperate enough to actually do it with you. Yeah. Um, but you don't like, you're not just laying in the tent with your buddy one night, you know, just like, well, close alternative. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying gay for the stay is. You don't really agree. With, I don't you buy think it. You think they were gay before they went in. Yes, I sincerely believe that you could put me in a prison. You could put me in a prison full of Brad Pitts for 50 <laughs> years. And I promise you, I mean, I can't say because it never has happened to me. But uh, sure, I sure feel in my heart of hearts that even after 50 years, I'd be like, no, I'm all good. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, there's uh, other <laughs> things to do. <laughs> cage me up with Brad Pitt for 50 years. Nothing would happen. <laughs> Nothing would happen. I like it. I'll, I think it's... No, I think probably. I like how if you really did that, what if it was like 30 minutes in? I'm like, Brad, hey, let's have a little talk. Make it 30 minutes. <laughs> you made it 30 minutes, man. You said you would go 50 years. We put you in here at noon. It's 1230. You're already hitting on Brad Pitt. Well, one person, he, he is a good looking He is man. a good looking man. good looking man. We were watching Troy the other night, and I chose it. So I'm going to admit I chose Troy. And we were sitting there, and we had paused it because the toddler was wanting something. And we got up, and my wife was like, God, it, it had paused like directly on Brad Pitt, like with no shirt. And he's like, got his sword up. And my wife's like, just look at him. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm straight. But Jesus Christ, that man looks delicious. He looks delicious. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 even though I played the devil's advocate, I, I think gay for the stay is like you were probably bi. And I believe, more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right about that. Unless it is maybe a Brad Pitt. Yeah, a lot of Brad Pitts in jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying like maybe maybe there's some of certain people that are just s- such bronze gods that they get passes. Like, well, we're not even going to assign a sexuality to that. He's just a beautiful human. So well, wait a second, <laughs> we're not thinking about something. Okay, though. we've done this is our like cult 
episode, this is our third time to do a cult episode, mm-hmm. and we've talked about multiple times where someone has a power over people, and not even not even people that aren't even that intelligent. They, uh, I mean, that aren't not intelligent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we've talked about on the cult episodes before that people have been swayed by these personalities. Like they they just are really good at convincing people. Uh, so m- maybe it's one of those types of thing. Maybe it's just like, you know, it takes a year for somebody to break a someone down, but then uh, that wasn't a good way to put it. But <laughs> anyway, but what I mean is like maybe in some cases, um, it's like a they're a very good salesman. Yeah, you know? I don't know anyone out there listening who's been gay for the stay. Send us a send us a line. Let us know. Tell, I mean, tell us if we're right I, or not. I'm trying to be at least a little bit scientific about it and say I guess there's a possibility, but I can't see myself going that way. But I'm just saying, I I don't know. Uh, that's a crazy, you know, scenario to put yourself in. Mm-hmm. Locked away. I for, think for you it would be Colin Farrell. Nah, uh, yeah. Not not your type. Well, I like when he does the American accents more for some reason. <laughs> no. So here's the deal: if you no, could, I like him. If you could put Brad's face on Colin's Brad's face, Colin's neck, um, being being Rain's body, disaster. Um, Hugh Jackman's butt for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see whose leg. I'm just kidding. Let's Who's get legs? away from this. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> A central part of the Jensen's uh, new message was brought about by the third verse in Zechariah that uh, we spoke about earlier. Among other things, Jensen understood this to mean that the world was about to be cleansed of evil and apostasy by a nuclear holocaust. He soon began connecting Bible prophecy, Baha'i teachings, and pyramidology to substantiate his claims. What year would that? What year would that have been? Approximately mid seventies. Yeah, see, so that's yeah, that's right at the height of well. Uh, 60s and the seven, you know, Cuban missile crisis and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, people are worried about that then. So that's a good thing to bring up the nuclear thing, you know. Uh, what is pyramidology? Mm. Do you have you ever is heard that, that the thing where you where like you take poles and you make like a tent without the tent and then you lay under it and like it's supposed to be it like channels the energy from the pyramid. I've never heard your, anything of what you just. Have you said. seen something like that, Sam? Where you where you're like. Where someone's like laying in, in like a like I don't know it's like I said like a, a tent with no tent they're not with the canvas where it's just like poles over you and it's supposed to channel the energy of the universe into your body or something like that seems like I well, saw something somewhere about that no like that that'll show up on like some TV shows and everything like um I, it feels like there's a lot of like Native American type mm. things like that you know yeah um, that I've that I've seen, you know, on, on shows. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. There's Even on like, you know, time. not, not just like documentary type shows, but just, you know, like regular, like kind of a plot device or like a, like TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like I've seen that somewhere. Well, we got anything on that. Turns out pyramidology is the, uh, as the study of pyramids. <laughs> It, it says it says pyramidology refers to various religious or pseudo scientific speculations regarding pyramids, most often the Giza pyramid complex and the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt. From pyramidologists, uh, some pyramidologists also concern themselves with the monumental structures of pre-Columbian America and the temples of Southeast Asia. Yeah. So not yeah, it's um, yeah, they just study pyramids, I guess. Okay. Well, that's. But why does it say pseudo scientific? Do they try to? Well, they probably study them in in a religious 
manner, like you know, not not like an historical. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Reached its peak in the early '80s. Anyway, yeah, I didn't know what that was. Interesting. Yeah, the more you know. So uh, Jensen went further to say that the nuclear holocaust would kill a third of the world's population, and that over the next twenty years, Earth would be ravaged until the year two thousand. It was then that God's kingdom would be established and a thousand years of peace would follow. For those of you familiar with Christianity, this probably reminds you of the millennial reign spoken in the Bible. Jensen continued to slowly gather followers throughout the 70s, although best I can tell his group was never more than a couple hundred people. Most were concentrated in Missoula. However, the BUPC also gained members in Wyoming, Colorado, and right here in Arkansas, too. Are you allowed to recommend a book that you haven't read yet? I'm, sure. I'm going to do it. So there's a documentary on PBS called Command and Control, and it talks about uh, a near nuclear accident in Arkansas. Like a nuclear warhead blew off of a missile that didn't launch. The, the missile exploded. Really? It landed in a ditch. There were two fail-safes. Luckily, one fail-safe worked. The other one didn't. Oh, my God. It could God. have exploded. It would have taken out part of Little Rock and... It would have been a terrible... That's insane. But the book, Command and Control, I, I keep meaning to get my hands on it. It talks about countless, just, well, not countless, but it talks about tons of uh, near accidents, uh, just like ever since we've had nuclear I'm sure, armament. I'm sure yeah. they're out there. I'm sure yeah. those near accidents are out there. Yeah. Well, it talks about one time, and I think it might have been Carter, was awoken from asleep because of a of a error in the system that showed that somebody launched on us. So he had like oh, five minutes. I remember hearing about yeah, that. And he, and he basically said, well, we should wait for some more information. Um, but he had advisors that were like, no, we should launch because they launched. That is terrifying. Yeah. And that would have, yeah. So uh, uh, it's crazy. And then there's a lot of talk about, there's a guy on Sam Harris's podcast. Actually, you could probably find it because it was a professor and then uh, um one of his former students that she's high up now and, and, and she helps inform on like uh, what we like nuclear weapons and, you know, policies and things like that. She's like a consultant, but he talks about a bunch of those types of things. And he talks about how there should be a council like that's always ready of like, you know, five or 10 people in that. And those people should make the decision Hands and not, the cause. Just, not just, yeah, not well, but not just one guy half asleep. <laughs> you know, but you only have minutes. I mean, you—that's you, one of those things uh, where, uh, yeah, it's not something you can take a lot of time with. But um, yeah, it's crazy. But I—I I definitely want to read that. If you've read that, message us and let us know. Um, it's supposed to be a fantastic book, but a uh, pretty scary book, obviously. Well, <clears throat> speaking of nuclear disasters, there is—I read the other day, and let me try to find it real quick. Chernobyl. Yeah, there is a new. There's a vodka out that is made from what is it? Potatoes or from uh, crops? We'll say that. Okay. So I don't sound like a damn idiot. Okay. Made from crops grown in the no man's uh, zone of Chernobyl. It's mm. perfectly safe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Hold on. Yeah, there's people that still live within that zone that they they're kind of re- like rebels. Uh, they don't live super close, but there's they live in an area where you're not supposed to live, and and they pretty much. I watched a documentary about it. They pretty much, everything's fine, um, but there are areas where you don't want to be for sure. So yeah, it's uh, it's called Atomic with a K. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Artesian 
vodka made with grain and water from the grain and forgive me people from the chernobyl exclusion zone is the first consumer product to come from the from the abandoned area around the damaged nuclear power plant um this is from let me bbc news would you drink it i would it's tested um the team huh i would would too yeah the team stated oh star i'm sorry started the vodka project by growing cops crops jesus christ on a farm in the zone um, as well as Professor Smith, who was based at the University of Portsmouth, UK, the team behind the spirit is made up of researchers who have worked in the exclusion zone for many years. There was something to do with the safety. There is no more radioactive. This is no more radioactive than any other vodka, they say. Any chemist will tell you when you distill something, impurities stay in the waste product. So we took rye that was slightly contaminated and, and water from the Chernobyl aquifer and distilled it. We asked our friends at Southampton University, who have had an amazing radio anal- radio analytical laboratory, to see if they could find any radioactivity. They could find nothing. Everything was below limit of detection. Yeah, so I think there's only been a few bottles made, but it's it's going to be in production. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's only at one or two pubs in the UK, I believe. But uh, yeah, man, you can get atomic vodka made basically straight from the Chernobyl exclusion zone. And if you're out there and you're and you're with that company and you hear us, you should send us some and we'll drink it and plug you. We'll drink it on air. Yeah, we will. We'll do that for you. And we'll plug you. Yeah. Like, what's mind. the chance of them that. hearing this? But oh. anyway, hey, hey, we like have listeners in Russia. Episode. Yeah, we have listeners in Russia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we do, you actually. never know. You never know. You never know. I was just sitting here thinking, I'll let you guys drink it and then I'll turn the lights off and see if you start glowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, d- I have said on other episodes that I do want a Geiger counter for a good one that's supposed to work. It's two or three hundred dollars, but you're supposed to be able to walk around and within just a normal area, you're supposed to have spikes and uh, troughs of just from uh, natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, we because of something in us, we give out a little bit of radioactive. Uh, really? Radio, ra- yeah, radio waves and stuff. Like, well, not radio waves, but you know uh, those high energy particles or whatever. So if you sleep some. Ne- some, next to someone you get more than if you sleep by yourself that's crazy yeah not enough to really matter but yeah yeah it'd be interesting. interesting to drink some of that atomic and and check it yeah, yeah. it would man sure. well of course what's the they've tested the shit out of it already oh yeah but yeah i don't know what if there's a batch that just didn't get distilled properly and you drink it and you have a third nipple the next morning well i mean distillation is not going to do anything because it's at an atomic level that all these high energy particles are coming out so it, it either has it or it doesn't. I mean, there's nothing they can do to get rid of it. That's what I was wondering when it said when you distill it, it's all like the radioactivity's wasted in See, the way. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it, that to me, that's not the way it works, but I don't know. Mm. I'm no scientist. Mm. Well, we'll talk more about nuclear, possible nuclear holocausts uh, on the next episode on part two. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, and the ridiculous, it's going to be a fun one, the ridiculous excuses. Oh, you heard me wrong. Did I say April 5th? <laughs> <laughs> I meant June 30th or is there? Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. It's uh he has every excuse in the book and his followers believed him forever. They, do they you remember? Uh, so you're around the same age as me. So do you, there was one when I was in junior high that, uh, well, I was probably middle school where everyone was coming to school and was like, the end of the world is next Friday. Do you remember that one? Well, I remember the, you know, just the, even the millennium. Oh yeah. Yeah. Y2K uh, and all that stuff. That one. Yeah. You know. 
I remember that. Um, what you're talking about couldn't have been, I was like, was that Leland Jensen? No, because that was two years before you were born that he did his, or a, or a few years. I would well, say no, this is after. I would say this is, uh, I would say this was like late 80s. Late. And, and oh. It, and it freaked me out. He did one in the late, he had a prediction in 88 or 89. Yeah, yeah. Everyone at school is talking about it. And then, and then the, the, uh, um, they made a movie on it. It was a crap movie. The special effects were good. Uh, was it like 2012? Was that with? Yes. Was that another John one Cusack? Of yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. the Mayan calendar runs out yep. and stuff yeah, like man. that. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of bad science in that. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, end of the world stuff like the the something about the magnetic field of the Earth. It was you know it was all you know the scientists have known forever that it's lessening so much and then it's going to stop at this year, 2012. And that's going to cause all this crazy stuff. There were a ton of different ways that they were spinning that. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, man, I did. did You mentioned Y2K. Yeah. Y2K. Yeah, man. I, uh, uh, December of 99, I started working at this little utility authority and I've been in that kind of line of work ever since. Uh, I started in December of 99 and just like a week or two later was Y2K. And our boss had all of us patrol town that night. He thought it was just going to be like pandemonium, you know, this little, yes. Uh, What were you guys going to do? Blackouts, people fighting in the streets, utilities, things on fire, water pipes bursting. You're not police officers though. Droves of roaming, crazy, drunken teenagers breaking into our facilities and tearing Uh, up everything and throwing down switches. And he just thought it was going to be batshit crazy. Armageddon. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. What town was this? I don't even want to say, man. Well, you you know, it's it's down 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 south of here a little ways, but uh, and west, yeah, and a town of like eight hundred people. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, me and the other four guys that worked there just drove around, you know, till you know, when when it all goes uh, when all that goes down, all the teenagers are going to run to the utility department <laughs> to switch to switch off all the. The yeah. breakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break into that brick building and turn those valves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's what we did. We drove around till 1 a.m. I mean, we got paid for it. We got paid overtime. But uh, yeah, and then nothing, literally nothing happened. And he was like, well, go home for now, but I'll call you guys if, yeah, you know. So <laughs> have your phones right next to you. <laughs> that aren't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy thing because everyone thought the computers, when they first started coming out they were only made for 99 and not the 2000 yeah they wouldn't is, roll over to yeah that was a crazy, crazy and, and what happened they just rolled over to 2000 right i mean yeah. well did. i mean they I started talking so. about that like several years before and i don't i don't know anyone in it uh, except for james so we need to talk to him about that but i think what happened with that whole thing is i think that they knew and i think they had plenty of time to do system updates and fix it you think what? everybody was sitting there watching the computer and when it hit Midnight, January first, two thousand. They were like, "Well, son of a, yeah. you know, yeah." Because oh, all right, well, we're good. Why didn't they just build that in in the first place? It's not like computers came out in the seventeen hundreds. They didn't freaking come out till fifteen twenty. I mean, they were out way before. But this problem that we're talking about, what they were designing computers in the seventies, were they thinking like, "Well, these won't last thirty years." We'll never have to worry about the year 2000. Yeah. It's just so bizarre that no one thought of that. It's going to roll over. Even I think Even I think 30 years ahead, you know, as far as like 
you know, when you're buying a house or like doing your, your, uh, retirement or whatever, you tell me computer programmers weren't even thinking about the rollover. I wish that, I wish that I was something like that was coming out now because I, I think a great prank would be to throw the breaker, like go hide somewhere and throw the breaker on your wife. I think that I wasn't as much of a prankster as I am now. So I'd totally do that now. Yeah. Like, or like pay one, pay my neighbor to, come over and throw the breaker or whatever there, my wife showed me a funny video a funny video uh i guess this guy the caption was my daughter and all her friends are upstairs in her room having a slumber party and telling ghost stories and so it shows him in the basement with a circuit breaker and he flicks it and you hear like these muffled all these girls going ah! and then he turns it back on and then he turns it back off and they're like ah! they all oh, scream that's awesome see that i love that'd like be that. awesome yeah it'd be so fun to do uh yeah yeah so yeah it wasn't i don't remember anything happening i didn't mean either yeah no i just remember driving around being cold as shit and then we went home <laughs> nothing happened that's funny your boss is funny that he had you do that i think i think i probably i probably just stayed up and then at 12.05 was like well all right <laughs> going to bed <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that's what i did you know? this boss was he had some weird he would he would get furious with us if he caught us listening to our the radios in the work trucks. He said it would run the battery down. I'm talking even while you're while you're driving down the road. He would get like you would like damn near get written up, you know, or suspend. He would get furious because he's like, "You'll run those damn batteries down." And it was one of those things where we were all just like, "You know what? That's what he thinks, and he's the boss." So for all intents and purposes, he's right. Hey, there's know. this thing called the alternator. Wow. Hey, I, think I don't know. Probably Henry Ford came up with that. <laughs> it's been out a few years. Yeah, I don't know. He's he would get all over your ass. Turn that radio off in that wow. goddamn truck. Yeah. You're going to run the battery down. Batteries are expensive. All right. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So that sounds was like a great guy. Actually, he was a good, he was a good oh, boss okay. and a good, okay. he was a cool guy, but he's just, just not grounded in <laughs> He reality. had some very different beliefs. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's so yeah, man. Part sound. one, Leland Jensen, uh, the, the high under the something of the covenant. You, you heard us. Uh, yeah, we're gonna I'm going to watch that Rain Wilson video. That's do it. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's everyone's homework. You come back a little bit more informed. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. And he talks, he, he describes it as only Rain Wilson could. So okay, cool. It's I really like interesting. it. So we'll- All right. Well, that's it for this time. We'll talk to you guys next time. Oh, thanks for listening, baby.